Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. There are a lot of theories of Sincharishkun's fate that either he burned in flames in the Ovis Palace or he escaped from the enemy and grasped the feet of the king of Akkad to plead for his life, that is, Nabopolassar. Oh, yeah. But uh, we don't know. Isn't there a letter or something, too, that there was, maybe there was a letter that the, he wrote a letter and asked him for peace? Maybe that was before the sack. I think there was some. Yes. I want to keep the image of the Assyrians fighting to the death. Ah. But we know that some Assyrians survived. Probably the Assyrians who were not in Nineveh. Yeah. Because the empire is still large. And this is just the capital. Yeah, true. So let's commemorate Sin Sharishkun. He wasn't a very bad king. No. He seems to have done his religious duties... He seems to have been an able general, much better than many that came before him. He won battles, right? He had a a good stiff competition in Nabopolassar, but he he wasn't so bad. And in regular times, he probably would have been fine. We know that he made repairs of Nineveh's walls himself, and that Nineveh, this huge city who had been standing there for so long, it must have seemed impregnable to him. Yeah, a huge army they had in Nineveh too, right? Like a huge amount of arms and I, mean, I don't know how many soldiers they had. But but yeah, they broke down a door. And if they opened up the river and flooded everything, it was once you're inside, it was pretty bad. And they didn't have to siege it for years like Babylon always got sieged. You know, when they'd be under siege, it'd be three years, but it seemed like three months and this was done. It's all so quick here. Yeah. And I really wondered what happened. It's like, I, I would like so... So many more details. I know, wouldn't we? Here, but this is what we have. 
Or it would be. I mean, you could make fiction or, you know, fan fiction on it, but we'll never really know. We'll never really know. I mean, I imagine there was, if you think the Meads had horses and stuff, and they, you know, sort of, once they opened the doors, just came barreling in with their horses and chariots and everything. Uh, having listened to Ancient Warfare podcast, I think you don't want to drive chariots in the city. Probably not. <laughs> that would make them easy to You saw what happened to tanks in cities in Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. And these <laughs> stupid chariots thinking, would be very easy to bring down in the city. Totally. Get them with pots from the, from the third floor. He'd be throwing stuff down on them. But we know that the city was destroyed. The statues were destroyed. Yeah. Much When you see these Assyrian uh, reliefs and stuff, you, you can see the damage that they, mm-hmm. some of them carry the damage of the Medes. Yeah, they went and they chipped off. So they would specifically break chip, chip off the eyes and the nose if they couldn't get the head off. So it was interesting. I read a paper where they almost 98% of statues found in the Near East, ancient statues, are headless. And a ton of them have no noses and eyes. And they've, you know, like it's not the same in Greece. And it's not just like, well, a nose sticks out so it would fall off. There's like almost all of them, one another, the tradition would be to just, that's how you make your enemy more dead. And that goes way back to early Mesopotamian history. You want to destroy the statues. Yes. You destroy the statues because you destroy the god or you destroy the person. So if you know, if you take Ashurbanipal, like for example, on the remember the beautiful painting of the him with the guy's head and everything? So they probably can't destroy the whole thing, but they chipped out his eyes, his face, the queen's face. They they think it was very that was very important, especially in like Elam and where the Medes are from in Iran. So because then the Assyrians did that to them. Remember when they conquered Elam, they pulled down everything and they chopped up, they took their gods out of the groves and they took them out. And so to get them back, the Medes just went nuts and just, yeah, they defaced everything that they could get their hands on. Yeah, remember the Assyrians used to steal the statues of the gods. They would steal them, right. But they nobody wants the Assyrian god statues. No. The statues of Asher are destroyed and they're not taken. Yeah. I wonder how the Babylonians treated uh, the Babylonian gods found in these Assyrian cities. I believe we saw a thing where one in one of the cities didn't they take a statue back? I think in the in the in the chronicle they say we conquered this city and we took the statues. But that was the Babylonians. But yeah, because the Medes, you know, who are you know Elamites sort of the same the Iranians basically, they were into that mutilation of you know because it was like the afterlife. So if like if you took a picture of Ashurbanipal. And you took his eyes and his nose and his mouth out, then he couldn't get like libations from, you know, how you're supposed to offer libations to the dead kings and stuff? Well, he wouldn't be able to drink them because he had his lips removed from the statue and his nose and his eyes. So he would suffer in the afterlife. And imagine what Nabopolassar must have thought here that he sees this, the destruction of Nineveh. And I bet the Babylonians participated, but. He sees this powerful Median army mm. destroying the Neo-Syrian Empire. They are already in control of Elam. And yeah. it is becoming a superpower right next door to Babylonia. You're right. You're absolutely right. And there's like, you know, these tribal hordes and now they're, they're organized. So, so the, Medes, the Medes go back home yeah. with their plunder and... Nabopolassar, he he can't con- he can't take Asher and Nineveh because they're both destroyed. 
But the rest of it, it's now his country. Yeah. So he now needs to consolidate his power, start a new Babylonian empire for, for real, and control Assyria. But then a guy shows up in Haran. It's Asher Ubalit II. Oh. <laughs> and he says, I am the king of Assyria. Yeah. And an exiled Assyrian government is established in Haran. Amazing. This guy, Asher Ubalit II. So maybe you can count him as the last Assyrian king. Yeah. But Sin Charishkun is the last Assyrian king that controlled the heartland. Correct. But Asher Ubalit II claims that he is the righteous king, he is the true king of Assyria, and it's possible that he was, that he was in Sharishkun's crown prince. We don't know mm-hmm. where he came from. He can be anybody. Yeah, he could just be anybody to just said it, right? He managed to rally the Assyrian remains, and uh, he focuses on Haran, because it's an ancient religious and commercial center. Yeah. And uh, remember you talked about the moon god yep. being in Haran? Yeah. So this is a tax-exempt city. It's, they were very loyal to the Assyrian state. Yeah. Somebody's mom is the priest there. Priestess. Yes, the mother of Nabonidus is residing in yeah. Haran, being a priestess of the moon god. Oh, that's right. It's him. Right, right, right. But no. Oh, yeah. But she was related to Ashurbanipal or something. Yeah. Yes, we, we talked about that, so let's not contradict ourselves. Right, correct, sorry. Uh, Ashurbalit Ash- II is now ruling Assyria. And uh, there is one ruler who thinks this is a great idea, and it's the pharaoh. Yeah, it's a medicus. And so there's going to be more, eventually. So Ashurbalit II, he, he gets coronated in Haran. He changes the rules. He's the king, after all. So yeah. Now it's okay to get coronated in Haran. <laughs> this is now the capital of Assyria. He had no choice. And Abu Palasar is like, no, oh no, a new Assyrian king. I must crush this guy. Yeah, right. It's like pulling out weeds. But it seems that Nabopolassar was perhaps the the one person who thought that this was the true Assyrian king. That many Assyrians did not rally to him. Mm. And they were like, uh, we are in this new thing now. Yeah, no, we are done. You guys are, you know. This is a lost cause. Yeah. Half of them probably weren't really Assyrian, like, as far as ethnically anyway, you know? They're how many people were brought there. And they were like, if you were the king, you would be coronated in Asher, but Asher doesn't exist anymore. Right. So you can't be the king. Where did they even live anyway in the heartland? They had to move all out. There are people still living in Kala. Okay. We don't know about the fall of Kala, but it probably had something to do with that gate. Yeah, yeah. But I have some tragic uh, stories from Kala later. Hmm. But that is maybe for the next decade. Okay. Oh, I see, yeah. They might have stayed there because that wasn't destroyed. Ashurubalit II says that I will reclaim the heartland. I am the king of Assyria, king of the world, king of the universe. Hmm. And Samtik goes, way, of course you are. <laughs> and the Maneans show up again. Huh? <laughs> so maybe they weren't in the Umamanda. And they're like, of course you are the Assyrian king. Because they are probably worried about median power. Probably. They seem to make the wrong decisions. So some Assyrians rally to him, but only as the crown prince. They won't admit that he's the king, because he wasn't coronated properly. But he could be the crown prince. They call him the crown prince. Okay. 
I mean, what would the plan be if he... I guess they would get used to it, but otherwise he'd have to take Asher back to become the king. Yes, and that's probably what he wants. Yeah. Because Asher, the temple, could be rebuilt easily because Asher's the god, is the rock that's still there today, so you can't destroy that. So we, we do have Assyrians left. There are, of course, the, the population of Assyria, they are not dead. Only the people that defended Nineveh and Asher are dead. Yeah, yeah. We see... Archaeological evidence in Kala that Kala was sacked, but after the sack, some people returned to the city oh. and tried to live there. So we have somebody trying to put back the gate that was removed. Okay. But it seems that they were thrown out of Kala at least three times. Jeez. Because Kala was probably also destroyed as, as much as Nineveh and Asher were. Wow. And we don't know if they obeyed Asherubal at the second or if they were just locals that, well, we like the city, we want to go back. Yeah, where else do we go? We don't even speak any other languages. Like, where are we supposed to go? <laughs> Doesn't say anything about the Babylonians taking the Assyrians, right? To Babylonia, like the, like the Assyrians usually do when they conquer something? The Neo-Babylonian Empire will start to look like the Assyrian Empire quite a bit, but I don't know if they yeah. forced uh, migration that they actively moved people across the empire. Yeah, we don't have any information. Well, on... Maybe we'll see that. We'll get to that. I mean, no, they took the Jews. We know they took the Jews to, the, to Babylon. Oh, they did. Yes, of course. But, I mean, I don't know if they did anything here. I mean, what they do with other people if the city was gone? They must have took them or they just wandered away like zombies. Or they killed everybody. Probably the Medes killed everybody. I think there is chaos in Assyria now. Nabopolassar is not in control. And now, in 611 BC, the Egyptian army shows up. Okay. Hey, here we are. Nabopolassar controls Babylonia. Okay. And some of Assyria. Ashurubalit II controls Haran. And probably some area around it. And the rest of this decade, 611 and 610, is spent by Nabopolassar marching around. Uh, of course, he describes this as he's marching about victoriously in Assyria. I see. But he is fighting Ashurubal II and the Egyptian army. But the Egyptians run into a little problem. What happened? Oh. What? There, before that, something else happens. In 610, in November, Nabopolassar calls in the Medes again. Okay. Because this is not working. So he's like, hey guys, you missed some Assyrians <laughs> over here. So let's attack Haran. And that's in 610? Yes. Okay. So the Medes show up again together with the Babylonian army. And Ashurubalit II is like, hmm, this seems pretty dangerous. <laughs> so he's like leaving some soldiers to defend Haran, which is seems to be quite well fortified. And he flees oh. into the desert of Syria. Oh, So we are leaving this decade with the Medes and the Babylonians besieging Haran. Maybe they thought Ashurubalit was still there, but he isn't still there. He has run away into the desert. See, I didn't know that. Things were taking us. <clears throat> and now the Egyptians aren't there yet, right? They're on their way? The Egyptians are hard to locate. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, their presence is known, but I have no idea where they are. Because at some point on the way to go and rescue Haran, Josiah from Judah gets in the way. He, For whatever reason, he... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Decides to stop the Egyptians. I don't know. We don't know that he had any arrangement with the Babylonians. We don't know why. So we try to stop them and he dies. When is that? It could be 609. So Okay, we'll talk about that in the next thing. Yeah. It's like a right around this this is what's going on though. So yeah. Because there is another important death probably at this point. We have very few details about it. But we have the Babylonians and the Medes and the Uman Manda. They are back as well, besieging Haran. And this this is the army that took Nineveh, but they have a much harder time taking Haran, probably because it's smaller and much more fortified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Samtik finally dies. So the pharaoh dies, we have no details, and he is succeeded by Neko II as as, as king of Egypt. So let's dwell on something as well uh, before we get into Neko II, because there is some fairly recent news about something. I found a piece from 2017. What happened? Uh, I like Semericus. Egyptian and German archaeologists discovered on the 9th of March 2017 a colossal statue about 7.9 meters high uh, at the Heliopolis site in Cairo itself. So a gigantic statue, 26 feet, made of quartzite. It was found in a fragmentary state with the bust, the lower part of the head, and the crown submerged in groundwater. Hmm. But engravings found on the statue said Semedicus. Okay. A spokesperson at the time said, quote, If it does belong to this king, then it's the largest statue of the late period that has ever been discovered in Egypt, end quote. The head and the torso are probably in the Grand Egyptian Museum in Cairo today. But this is a weird find because this is a statue in the ancient classical style of 2000 BC. Mm-hmm. But Semedicus has been around for a long time, maybe as illusions of grandeur. Of course, he defeated the Babylonians at some point. Yeah. So he's projecting his power all over the place. Maybe as... Mm-hmm looked at the pharaohs of old and said, ah, I must have a gigantic statue. 
Yeah, well, remember he was involved. He was he was like trying to bring back the old ways a lot too. You remember he built the that we found that um a little inscription. He kind of made it look like it was an old yes temple, to, but it really wasn't. It was built in his time that he was doing all this read, you know, bringing back the old Egyptian culture. <laughs> so I could totally see him doing that. But this whole dynasty—they were just the collaborators that worked with Assyria during the occupation. Absolutely, and brought and hired Greek mercenaries. The, the statue, this gigantic statue, is in 6,400 fragments. Oh. <laughs> so that, that is not an accident. Somebody has oh. deliberately destroyed the statue of Semedicus. Somebody really hated him. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a story. When archaeologists looked at the statue, they discovered that it had been heated to high temperatures, then shattered with cold water. Jeez. Which was a known method to destroy ancient colossi. Isis. Ancient Isis. Yeah, they wanted to get rid of this statue. Obviously. They hated Semedicus. I didn't know Semedicus was so hated. Uh, who did this? I have no idea. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Because Egypt will remain independent until the Persians get there. Mm-hmm. Right. There's some good stories with that. So now Necho II is the pharaoh. He rules Egypt out of sight. And he has some problems to deal with. He must preserve the Assyrian buffer state and save Ashur Ubali II, who is not even in his capital, but hiding in the desert. <laughs> and I, I, the fact that the Maneans were counted as uh, Ashur Ubali's allies, I don't think that is very stable. I think they will stay away. Yeah, right. We're going to go to the desert to try to save him. So we'll find out next time what happens with uh, Ashurubali II and this neo-neo-Assyrian empire. Yeah. Oh, the neo-neo-Assyrian empire, the neo-Babylonian empire versus the neo-neo-Assyrian empire. Okay, spoiler, it will go really bad because 612 BC is the traditional end date of the Assyrian empire. Yes. But we'll cover the fate of Ashurubali II in... The next decade. I, I gotta throw this in there. Maybe it reminds me of like our, the, the election in the United States in you know, November when Trump lost and then he didn't really believe he lost until the very end. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that Ashurubalit II went like, oh, the sack of Nineveh is fake news. Yeah, he said it was fake news. This is the real capital here. And then you know, and, and the sixth, the, the, the Babylonians stormed the capital again. <laughs> they had to really put an end to it. And then I have to go into the desert for some important religious things. <laughs> exactly. Ah, uh, yeah, it's part of the plan. Part of the plan. Oh boy. Yeah. Wow. What a great story. Yeah. It's still hanging on, but it's not much left, right? Oh, that that does conclude the story of the Neo Syrian Empire. They've been around for so long. I remember all the people they tortured. All the human hides on the walls. Mm-hmm. Remember the greatest party of all time. Yeah. The Assyrian people is, of course, still around today, but uh, the empire, not so much. No. But I can't say it's a bad thing, and they weren't the nicest people. <laughs> they were in a rough neighborhood, though. They were in a rough neighborhood. Oh, well, it will be one of the great deeds of Cyrus the Great, that he he took this model, this way to run an empire, then he just cut out the massacres. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And made it cool instead of the horrible. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they needed to lay the groundwork, the Assyrians, for all these things that they did. They have really laid the groundwork for a future empire. For sure. 
They have taught people how to build military roads, aqueducts, have an organized full-time army. They have taught people how to fight. They taught the Babylonians a little too well how to fight. Yeah, for sure. But the, the legacy of the Assyrian Empire will be so visible in the coming empires. Oh, for sure. The, just the provinces in general. I mean, like, if you didn't have an empire, you didn't have provinces. I mean, it's kind of a new thing. Think about it. Like, Sargon didn't have province. Sargon the Great, you know? He didn't have provinces and divided things up the way the Syrians did. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, maybe there wouldn't... Maybe if the Syrians didn't do it. I mean, I don't... As far as I know, the Native Americans didn't have provinces, you know? It's like, it could have been an Assyrian invention, invention just lasted through all history. And now I really feel that I'm just a fan of history. Having said all this, I don't really understand what went wrong. It worked so well for 300 years and now things just collapsed. And there must have been another reason than just this alliance between Nabopolassar and Cyaxares. Yeah, well, no. It must have been an economic collapse, a societal collapse. But I don't really understand why it happened so fast. I think we're all just fans of history, Dan. Even the, the scholars, will they'll, they'll fight each other to tell you what if they think they know the reason, you know? And remember that this destruction was so complete that people in the 19th century thought that the Assyrians were a myth. Right, that's really amazing. I think the hatedness of them, just they wanted people just wanted to forget about them. <laughs> yes, and they, they survived only in the Bible for such a long time. Yeah, and nobody believed it was real. This extremely evil, hostile people that were so powerful. And it was like, well, maybe this is just... Yeah. They are talking about something else. But then they found the Assyrian artifacts. Right. And the fact is, a lot of the Bible, that old part of the Bible, is, is, direct, is in, uh, in response to Assyria. And a lot of scholars, there's a lot of scholarly writing on that. I mean... I know, I've studied it too. It's, there's so much in the Bible, it's a response to what Assyria was doing. And it's, you know, so it really does come down to us to today. It really does. Yes. The 600s are connected to today in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And uh, it wasn't the Assyrians that carried away the population of Jerusalem, but we'll get to that in, uh, in the next century. <laughs> right. And how much does that have to do with everything? And. Just the fact that the Assyrians besieging, you know, Jerusalem that turned them into monotheists. Yes. Humongous. So, yeah. Whew. Well, sorry to see, say goodbye. I know you spent a lot of time with Assyria. So did I. When I started on this podcast, I didn't know that much about Assyria until I did all this research. And I'll never forget about it now. Yeah, remember all the great deeds of Tiglath-Pelleser III, TP3. Yeah. I think we can sum up. Now that we have talked about them all, the great kings of Assyria. So I'll just say their names here in mourning. All right. So Ashurbanipal II, Shalmaneser III, Tiglath-Pelleser III, Sargon, Sennacherib. And maybe after we talked about him, I don't think Esarhaddon belongs in this, in this list. Of great ones, yeah. He was messed up. And Ashurbanipal, maybe his uh, final years destroyed the empire, but I still think he's a great king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But world history went on without the Assyrians, and so will we. So will we. So next time we'll talk about the 600s. Yeah, we're going to have to get into the 600s. Oh, that's a weird way to say it, right? How do you usually <laughs> yes. say it when you... 
606. The arts. Yeah, yeah. the arts. I'll go back and listen to what you, how you called in the 700s. We'll see what you said. Maybe I just said uh, something like 609 to 600. <laughs> there we go. But we, we'll go on. The Assyrian Empire is over. We are not. We'll proceed. No, we are not. We'll be back. So make sure you go to our Facebook page, Patreon, all that stuff. I feel strangely sad that this uh, horrible kingdom of murderers is gone. <laughs> it's funny you saying it like that, because I always felt like you had more of a, like, like I felt like I was the one saying that they're murderers, and you always thought I gave them a pass, but I, they were, I mean, they were vicious. You got to Of course, Asher uh, Nasipal II was the worst. Yeah. When I started reading about the Assyrians, I thought that all the kings were like him. And Ashurbanipal was somewhat like him, but uh, yeah. he was by far the worst. The Lord of Massacres. I think in those, you know, people, I'm reading in the book, and we'll talk about another time. It's the History of Humanity. It's a new book. And people really were used, according to these, you know, authors, that they were used to living kind of free. Sort of like Native Americans, sort of like more of a loose confederations. And then these kings came in and, you know, very, you know, bring an order from the top down. And the only way to really get people to, like, agree to this was, was like, really strong violence. You know, people just, that wasn't their, the natural way of humanity to be, like, ruled by a king. It's like what we said about the Romans. You know, they don't want to be ruled by a king or whatever later, they say. And it becomes like a... You know, so I guess, you know, the only, not, so then, do you need to be ruled by a king? That's the question. But if you want to be a king, you, and especially in the beginning of kingship, like, as we know it today, you know, statehood, um, that extreme violence was part of the the recipe. And also this, uh, to have a large state covering a huge geographical area seems very unnatural to most people at this time. Right. That the the city-state... Or the the small countries, the the norm, and the Assyrian Empire sticks out so much. Yeah, and I mean, really, the other ones who started it, and now we have ended them. We ended them, so they ended themselves. <laughs> they did, <laughs> with some help from the Medes and the Babylonians. Yeah, and the Uman Manda. Yeah. Well, let's see how these all these people play out in the next six decades. Right, we're still going to be here, like you said. Yes. Let's go on to the 609 BC times. <laughs> All right. I don't want to finish this episode. <laughs> I know. What are we going to do? <laughs> no, but we have to. Please follow us on Facebook and uh, YouTube. Please support us on Patreon so we can continue to do this until we fall down and die like the Assyrians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I love you guys. Thank you very much for allowing us to have this podcast. R.I.P. to the Assyrian Empire. And if you have listened to all our episodes about the Assyrian Empire, please write a line on our Facebook page and tell us that you heard all the episodes. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, okay, let's end this. All right. All right. Well, cheers. Bye to the Assyrian Empire. Oh, I just noticed that the Medes will attack Urartu in 608. Okay, that's a spoiler. <laughs> Let's end this now. Thank you for listening. And thank you, thank Bernie. You. You're welcome. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.